And now, do you like Prince movies? Hey, everybody. Welcome to Do You Like Prince Movies. I'm Alex Papadimus. I'm Wesley Morris. And before we talk about the Avengers for the next 45 minutes, um, I have one confession to make in our in our introduction to things. I'm telling you right now that after three episodes, I might be addicted to that show younger. Uh, you've confessed, you, you, you kind of confessed this to me in email and I have to confess that I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you could have responded to that email by saying, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, I filed it away to talk about it on our international podcast that we do. So I saved it for this moment. Um, Let's well, have this conversation already... in front of every, I'm not, you know, it's transparency. I'm just like very, very quickly. It's this show that's on um, the the TV network uh, or TV land, the TV land network. And it's good. It's just funny. It's it's about this woman who's 40. She pretends to be 26 to get a job in the magazine world, which is inherently farcical. Um, that people it's be just trying got a to bunch of get into the magazine world that that, would, um, that part of it. <laughs> this is a wizard. I, I'm going to do a show about a 26 year old who pretends to be 40 in order to get out of the magazine world. Yeah, she, she, yes. Well, this is, this is the working in the opposite. It's got a, it's a very magazine world like fantasy from Darren Starr who oh. did Sex in the City. Oh, wait a minute. It's, yeah. Oh, oh, are you, am I selling it now? Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying. Am I repulsing you or am I, am I drawing you in? Tell me what I need to say. I, I'll I'll look at any Darren Star show uh, once. Okay, great. Yeah. So Sutton Foster <laughs> is in this show. Hillary Duff is on this show. Debbie Mazar, Miriam Sh- Miriam Shore is so good on this show as the like Miranda Priestly like boss of this magazine. She is doing something totally different uh, from what Meryl Streep did, and she's just Miriam Shore is. Is I put her up there with Jane Krakowski and um, uh, uh, that British lady that I now whose name I now can't remember who's really good Judy uh, Lucy Punch I love Lucy Punch I love Jane Krakowski and I love Miriam Shore Miriam Shore is probably best known uh, well, th- I'm going to get the best known part wrong but she is, she was best in um, uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Um, Oh, okay. And in the movie, yes. she also did the did the stage show too, um, the first version of that, and it's really good. Um, and I don't know, the show is very charming. I laughed a lot. I find watching uh, Sutton Foster, who's a major Broadway star, who I've never seen in anything else um, besides this show, and maybe some other like small parts in movies or television shows. Um, I I just like watching her so much too. Uh Hillary Duff whatever. If you want to watch one episode and figure out if you like it, you should. I think it is it is a good smart enough comedy. I have too many other things to do in my life and cannot believe I'm watching this, but I programmed it to on, on my DVR to record and I have watched all the episodes of which there are I think 3 at this point. That's younger. Oh, so gra- we're, we're ground floor on this. We can we can roll. Oh, yeah. Out. There's there's not a lot of you. Can I tell you something? You don't even have to watch the previous three episodes to watch, watch episode four, for instance. It, it's not it's not 
that complicated. I don't have to have read like 12 uh, 600-page books. No, there's what's, no what's being George R R R R R R R R Martin. Darren, no, there's no there's Darren like Star that. R Martin. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to deal with that. No, all right, that's exciting. How is it? Is its depiction of the magazine world? See, I, I like it. I like depiction of the magazine world to be as unreal as possible. Having once worked in the magazine world, I like it to not have any. Oh, it is. It is extremely unreal. Basically, right now at this point, seven episodes into the show. Um, we're at Peggy basically being somebody's secretary. Basically, that's where that's where that's where the Sutton Foster character is. Uh, I, obviously, I can imagine Sutton Foster taking over the magazine and having Miriam Shore be her assistant. There are any number of possibilities that can happen with this thing. Um, anyway, you can watch one episode and tell me what you think. All right, oh, your turn. Well, the most important book of the year has arrived at my house. Maybe of this, I'm going to say of the, uh, you know, it's 2015. I'm going to say like of the, of the half century. You got the Harper Lee book. <laughs> that's right. I got Harper Lee's book of selfies. Uh, oh. That's what she's been doing this entire time. So, mastering the selfie <laughs> first. Okay. You just made that book sound <laughs> so much more appealing than the one we're probably going to get. First with a, a, a you know an instamatic uh, brownie camera that you bought at the drugstore, and you know over the years, technology just gets better and better. I can't wait to read this book. <laughs> I wish. No, I mean I'm pretty excited. No, the, the, I of course I have Kim Kardashian's book, Selfish. I had a whole thing. It's it, it's a, a comedy of errors. I am not ashamed. That I like the Kardashians, obviously. I mean, I've written about it a whole lot, and I have no, you know, I. But you know, you you have to be honest about the the lingering sort of shames that you still have, the sort of the, the shame thetans that still cling to your body about certain things to to your soul. I was a little bit embarrassed because I accidentally sent this book. No, I didn't. I mean, I ordered it so long ago. Because I pre-ordered it as soon as I as soon as it showed up on Amazon, I pre-ordered it, and this was in like August 2014. And in the interim, since that time, I have moved house, and I forgot to change where the book was going to on Amazon. <laughs> no, no, no. So no, no. my my copy, I, I did, it didn't show up. We're seeing people on the internet. We're getting theirs. It was there. It was clear. It came out on the fifth. It came, you know, it came out on Tuesday. It's been out. Starting to see people, you know, thinking about it, writing about it. I was like, "Where's my copy of Selfish? I ordered this in 2014. Went to the old house. The package sh- shipped to the old house. Um, and I really thought there was going to be a moment when I was going to have to go and knock on the door of the uh, people who moved into my old house and ask them for my copy of the Kim Kardashian book that I, a 37 year old man, ordered for himself. Um, Ain't no shame. Ain't no no shame. No No. Well, look. Just a little bit. Maybe just a little bit. Because here's the thing. Love love the Kardashians. Like, real. This book is fascinating. This is like on so many levels. I'm writing about it this week. I started looking at it last night, putting post-its in it, writing notes on things that were happening in the book. There's a million fascinating things going on in this book. I find them to be an endlessly interesting subject. The Kardashians and you know Kim. No exception. 
what's going on in here. All the, you know, the sort of appropriation of amateur porn aesthetics and the celebrities coming out of the mist that you've forgotten about. You know, that just mm. did, you know, didn't exist. Like, there, there's Brittany Gastineau. And, like, you're just suddenly, like, it's like you're just biting into that Madeline and going back in time and sort of remembering when the Gastineau girls was a thing that happened and just realizing that people are going to forget that. There's a, you know, picture of Selena Gomez in here when she's, like, eight years old. Oh, no. Because you, you realize that Kim is now, there's a generation or a sort of a micro-generation that's come up that's after. Where we are. Oh. Yeah, that's where we are. Crazy. That's where we are. Because, you know, I was thinking, like, this is like sex. This yes. is like Madonna's sex. Well, here's the thing about it. Okay. So I go to my old house. They're not there. That's all buttoned up in there. There's no, there's, there's no sign of them. They've taken my Kim Kardashian book and beat it out of town or something. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what happened there. So I go to – because I want to do this. I want to start working on this thing that I'm writing about and I don't want to miss my window in the cultural conversation to talk about this Kardashian book. So I drive to the Grove to go to a Barnes & Noble and they have it. It's behind the counter. Oh, no. It's like, like razors and of, drugs? Yes. Like with the Need thing, a prescription to with, get this book? Yes. With, with the Sudafed and the pornography – I mean, I don't know. There's no rhyme or reason, by the way, to what's behind the counter at a Barnes and Noble ordinarily. But in this case, it's just like I I have to be honest because I'm like I don't have any guilty pleasures. I don't. I'm a, you know I've what I've made a bunch of noise about what a optimist I am and you know all that all that kind of stuff. But it was definitely a thing for me to go into a Barnes and Noble and say one Kim Kardashian book, please, <laughs> good sir, and basically and one box of condoms. Uh, no, this is the joke that I made on Twitter that it was like it was like American Graffiti when uh, uh, Clint Howard goes in the, <laughs> the liquor store and he's like, oh, yeah, you know, some of these combs and uh, ballpoint pens, and, uh, some flashlight batteries and a Kim Kardashian book, and, uh, Pine of Old Harper eh, or or when Homer buys the fireworks. You could tell when I made that joke on Twitter, you could tell who was young and who was old by who, who thought it was an American Graffiti joke and who thought it was a Simpsons joke about Homer buying illegal fireworks. <laughs> from like the other quickie mart or that's not a quickie mart um so yeah i basically so i got, but like as i'm walking up so i know this is gonna have to happen right i've figured out that there's no other place in the store where the kim kardashian book is available it's only behind the counter and as i'm walking up i realize that i'm going to have to deal with the chatty bookseller at the front, at the cash wrap oh, in the Barnes and you got, Noble, you got that person, that guy who's just gonna who's gonna rap to some people, and he's got a bone in his bonnet about the fact that Kim Kardashian is coming to this Barnes and Noble that I am at <laughs> at the Grove today, which is which was tomorrow yesterday. So tonight, as we record this, you can't go. Don't go now because by the time you hear this, it will have happened seven to nine p.m. at the Grove Barnes and Noble. He's saying, and he's for some reason a little bit uh, outraged that she's going to only be there for two hours, and if the line is still there after two hours, she's out of there. And he's like, well, you know, because if you're Kim Kardashian. You don't care about your fans. So I have to not only do I have to ask a chatty bookseller for the Kim Kardashian book, it's this guy who has a thing about it. 
And so I managed to, I managed to get to the other guy, but obviously I'm standing five feet away from this guy. And the, the, this guy sort of leans over and he's like, you know about this signing, right? And I sort of look up like, no, I'm a creep and I just want to take this home. <laughs> My relationship with Kim Kardashian is private and does not involve like me going and waiting in a line with the other devotees. It's more of a more of a personal thing. I'm just taking this thing. So I have this brick of a book in my bag right now. Um, all's well that ends well because now I have the book and I can talk about it on a podcast for some reason. But I have a hard time actually walking in to a store and purchasing it. And I have to be honest with myself about that. But now that I own it, I'm not really ashamed at all because it's great. Well, I can't wait to get a copy so we can talk about it. Maybe the same week we talk about the Paul Beatty book. Yeah, that would, that's the thing. <laughs> we better we need to counterbalance it with some literature. But no, we need to just actually go through it. And I think we, you know, we should get like, I, I, I need some help piecing together who some of the people are because that's the thing you reminded that she has friends who are not Jonathan Chibin, and I'm bad at sort of identifying faces. So by the time you talk to me next, I will have indexed this thing. Oh, awesome! All right, so like yeah. in one month, I will I will have <laughs> my copy. <laughs> Well, I mean, presumably it will still be on the bestseller list in a month. And who cares whether or not it is? We'll talk about that the same week we talk about the sellout Paul Baby's book. It works for me. Okay, it works great. for me. I'm so glad you got your copy and that you got shamed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> speaking of the Kardashians, really quickly, yeah. um, don't name your baby Kyle, Ky- Kendall, or Kylie because they won't be able to go into show business because those names have been copyrighted. Or they're trying to copyright those names, <clears throat> which means that people like Kylie Minogue in a bit of trouble. <laughs> That's right. Kylie Minogue is going to will not be able to prove that she was alive. Kylie Minogue was like, had like three decades of I life. I know. 28 years before 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 the before the older genre, I think is Kendall, right? Um, it's just crazy. It's insane. She does have a trademark on her name that Kylie Minogue, though. It's it's for her full name though. So Kylie so Minogue Kylie, will, will get to continue calling herself Kylie Minogue. Yes, so but only okay. Kylie Minogue. Don't don't try to get all share Kylie Minogue because <laughs> you will get sued by Kylie Jenner. I mean, this is there's there's historical precedents for for these these things. like do you, do you remember when uh, Bill Wyman from the Rolling Stones sued uh, Bill Wyman from Salon? dot com no like try he do i don't know if he actually i don't want to say sued because i'll get sued if it's not true but uh, so i don't know that he actually filed legal action but there was a dispute between the two the two bill wyman's because clearly oh. some bill bill wyman of the rolling stones suspected that the, the bill wyman of salon was trying to trade on his uh, his name because people would be like oh i i totally want to read this uh, you know political story since it's written by the guy from the rolling stones bill wyman but then but no um you know you got to be you got to be vigilant about that stuff those those trademark um, issues well don't worry because from now on all you wesleys look out <laughs> all can't do it you can't be a Wesley and go into podcasting. Forget it. Forget <laughs> this is it. a closed shop. Getting a copyright on my name. <laughs> Don't even think about it. Now, meanwhile, Prince is probably like, excuse me? <laughs> excuse me. I'd like to talk to you guys about the fact that you've called. I mean, you know, we, we don't really have a leg to stand on, the two of us. But no, I'm still going to try. I'm going to be all hypocritical like that and try to get my name copywritten. I want that. I want that purple subpoena. 
<laughs> you know, he's going to be in Baltimore, by the way. He's going to do a concert in Baltimore. I think it's this weekend. If it's not, if it's not tonight, uh, Thursday, Prince is going to play in Baltimore. Oh, Mother's Day, Sunday. So Sunday, uh, take, take, I can't, take your I can't mom. wait to not be going to that because how am I going to go? It's probably extremely sold out, and it's in Baltimore, where I don't live. But I think the the sort of political and I mean, he's just the right. I mean, I don't know. It's not like James Brown playing the Garden in '68, but it is. I mean, it is a timely sort of newsworthy event that Prince is going to do this show, um, and it'll be interesting to see how he angles it um really quickly speaking of which this is weird segways this week just hitting the post go for it rihanna uh like earlier like two weeks ago released a video for american oxygen from her who knows when it's gonna drop album um and i i i kind of like this song I, I I do I it get like by the time it builds to the end it's it gets it, it's really good. I've liked um, everything I've heard from this from this album. All of the trial this album, have made me if pretty it happy. ever if it's if it ever happens is going to be great. It actually also sounds like an album with a cohesive song. I mean a cohesive sound and and like a like a message that isn't like I'm giving you a message. It it. There's something unifying this record more than Rihanna's Rihanna-ness. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see if that actually is true. But this song is really good. Yeah, it's an interesting um, video as well. Yes. All the, uh, I mean, well, would you say it's interesting? I, think it's, I would say it's a bad video that is exploiting a lot of timely things to remind you that the song is not about just like, like a yoga cool down. And I think that's interesting. I think okay, I, so but you're not saying the, it's good. It's a bad. I, I'd say it's a bad. Video. There's some stri- Yeah, there there's some odd, some some di- some disconnects. I don't know. The, 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 between the sight of Rihanna in front of the American flag, kind of brawless. And it's a combination all of civil rights of, footage and yes, yes. It's just the the incongruity of the images. It's like if you're going to do that, I'm not saying she has to dress like a nun. But I also think maybe we don't need to see her. Like, remember Michael Jackson's Man in the Mirror video? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just feel like Michael's not even in the video. He Like, the, the, the message of the song was too important for Michael to even be bothered to show up for a video. Like, this is, like, I'm not even going to, I'm not going to distract you from the point of this song. This yeah. is about looking in the mirror at yourself and helping out the world. Yeah, no, it does feel like there. It's uh, that maybe she submitted the Man in the Mirror cut and then they they're said, no, we need more. More of you, yeah, kind of prancing. Way to, w- way to be defending attorney on that one, out prancing around. No, because there seems to be another concept kind of going on there, which is she got dinged for stealing from somebody, right? That uh, parachute thing. Um, there's a isn't there a shot of that parachute? Yes. thing. Yeah, in yeah, there? yeah, yeah. And then, then that's a, you know. So it seems like there's maybe two things going on. It just seems it seems like a it seems like a like a little trial balloon. It seems like a test for something, and we will maybe at some point get a Rihanna album. But you know it'll come. You know it's going to be a surprise. You know there's I think never the surprise is that I don't have a Rihanna album yet. <laughs> like anything now is just anticlimax to me. The surprise would be announcing the date of its release, and you know <laughs> at <sort of> this <laughs> traditional the only the only frontier left is traditional marketing. 
cart. You have to go to you have to go to Barnes and Noble to buy it with your hand. <laughs> we're gonna open a, a we're gonna reopen a warehouse with an H for one. You know, we're gonna reopen a Tower Records for one night, and you can go buy oh, it. Oh yeah, didn't didn't we have this conversation with Drake? Oh, that the uh, the only so the only way would be to like go back to traditional. Marketing. Oh, right, that yeah. was hypothetical too. I think that, that that these are the caliber of stars who could probably get that done. I mean, if if title is good for anything in this Jay Z music service, like, shouldn't it be the opposite of what it's actually trying to do? Shouldn't they have like some brick and mortar title store somewhere where you can go and buy the music of these artists on vinyl or CD? I yes, no, I think they're absolutely, and I think Jay Z should have to work there. He should have to actually. I think they do- should all have to work there. It should be like the Avengers, like doing, <laughs> yeah. doing like soup kitchen work. Like Madonna and Rihanna and all these other people should have to go to the to the to the soup kitchen or to the title store to to sell us our music. So it should be like what you thought Planet Hollywood was when you were ten. Oh, yes, where you yes. were like. Bruce Willis might, you never know, they might be short-staffed, and Bruce Willis might have to come in on his day off and kind of be in the back, like, making the the, the, uh, Captain Crunch pie, you know? Um, I'm sorry. (laughs) The only thing Bruce Willis is doing at at our Planet Hollywood is making the drinks. He's the bartender. Who occasionally gets up and, you know, plays like a Howlin' Wolf cover. Just gets up on the bar. Arnold Schwarzenegger is making the dinner. Come on, let's be honest. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I really I like this idea. The ti- I, I like the I love the idea of the title store. <laughs> Just people yeah. walking around. <laughs> Madonna, this is a time to redeem yourself, baby. Get Jay Z to build that title store, and you can work it. Your your shift is you start you, you your shift is eleven to six. Get ready, and get ready to restock too. We'll be right back to talk about the Avengers. Don't compare me with Stark. He's a sickness. Ah, Junior. You're gonna break your old man's heart. If I have to. Nobody has to break anything. Clearly you've never made an omelet. You beat me by one second. Ah, this is funny, Mr. Stark. It's what, comfortable? Like old times? This was never my life. (laughs) You two can still walk away from this. No, we will. If you believe in peace, then let us keep it. I think you're confusing peace with quiet. <laughs> uh-huh. What's the vibranium for? I'm glad you asked that because I wanted to take this time to explain my evil plan. Uh, so many zingers. Including... <laughs> that's a, that's I a, mean, everybody gets a line, including the special effects department. The sound guys get up. That was a clip from Avengers Age of Ultron. Featuring every actor in Hollywood. I think all of them. Yeah. I I went to see it on Friday. I think it's almost over. Um, (laughs) I had to I had to I literally not not since not since Transformers 4. Have I just had to come home from a movie and just kind of have like a have a lie down? Just really, it was like I'll just too like I was overwhelmed. I felt sensorily, I felt some some neurons just kind of being scorched. It was do tell, yeah. <laughs> it felt that way. I uh, had the exact opposite feeling. Actually, I felt like you felt understimulated. 
really? I mean, I it's, it's empty, a valid. I felt, yeah. I, understimulated is the wrong word. I mean, certainly some of this movie is boring, but I felt like I felt depressed. I, I can't explain it. Like, I mean, in some ways, how I feel about this movie is is 100 percent exclusive of what it is doing to the planet. Um, I think I've might have I've I'm at capacity. I'm at capacity in a way. And, you know, it's funny because I don't think it's really the superhero movie itself. Like, I mean, I think that is a separate problem. But I think the the way that this, that that, that the problem of, of superhero movie fatigue meets up with the a specific problem of, of Age of Ultron is, is something that I've been thinking about. Like, why this particular movie triggers this kind of heaviness and sadness in me. Um. And if you if you felt like you had been overstimulated, I'd like to hear about how and why that is. I mean, okay. I felt like this was the best version of something like this that we're likely to get. I like this more than the first Avengers. Wow. Yeah. I did. Go on. I did. Because the thing is, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna say positive things. And, you know, work up to it, <laughs> to th- things I didn't like. Because I, I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't sitting there. I've, I often sit through these things like, oh, boy, here we go with this now. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm just really sort of like because I'm, I'm, I think, more fatigued. I'm on the poster for superhero fatigue. Mm-hmm. When you go you to the when you go to the superhero fatigue aisle, I am on that Wheaties box being superhero, <laughs> just being disapproving. Frowning from the that's, from the box of superhero fatigue, that is me. That's all me. I I found this to be as a movie going experience, sort of pummeling, and I didn't even see it in three D. I can't imagine actually sitting through it in three D. I saw it in two D as well. Somebody told me to see it in two D, and uh, you know, I I took that advice. Thanks, Mark, and I feel better about it. But I, I don't just I'm. Uh, I think at this point, the, the likelihood of me going to see something in 3D is sort of inversely proportional to how much I care about it, you know? So I, I, yes. I, that's that's generally my feeling. So the, fir- the first Avengers is based on – it's pretty much the first Avengers story, which is the, you know, sort of the from the very early 60s version of that where the, they just get together and they – first they are tricked into fighting and then they decide, wait, we should team up and we should be the Avengers and that's the end of the story. It's actually not a very good story. Um, this feels more like the kind of 70s Roy Thomas era Avengers, which if you go back to those stories, they're pretty crazy. All, those kind of mid-period Avengers stories, the, you know, after the, all the kind of pieces are on the board – there's a mania to them because there's so many characters going on. Go back and read like this celestial Madonna storyline. Um, it's just nuts. It makes no sense at all. And this had some of that mania. This caught some of that for me. It felt that it felt like a comic book reading experience in a way that these movies often don't. So it, it, it you know, there is, I, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not the kind of person who's like, oh, man, like 10 year old me was totally satisfied. But like I actually did feel like that was, you know, that was what was happening. Eventually, mm-hmm. I started to want out of the theater <laughs> and 
I just, I, you know, that that moment when you're just kind of like, so what am I doing later? What do I have to do before I, you know, go, you know, meet these people or whatever? So you start sort of thinking about your exit strategy and like, mm-hmm. you know, where you parked and where you're going to go eat and stuff like that. You know, and right. it just, you feel pounded after a while, you know, but it, it, it's interesting though, because it, 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 I feel like I've see, I'm seeing people saying the opposite of this, that like they mm-hmm. like the first one because the first one is the closing of a, of a phase in the Marvel universe. And this one is kind of the opening of one. It's the beginning of the next one. You know, sure. it feels much more like a bridge to the next one, whereas, the, the, the you know, the original one sort of everything had been building to that point. I think I was really impatient with all the building and I found it just really hard to sit through all that. And I was like, oh, now we're going to, you know, we got to go through like Thor and Captain America don't get along or whatever it is. You know, having having said that, it, everything about this, it still has the same problems that these things always do, which is that it could be it could be the best banter in the world when they're in, you know, out of costume and out of action. At some point when it clicks into the action, it's just, you know, it's action. just it's just action. It just feels it just feels like the, you've gotten on the, you know, the, the moving sidewalk and you're just moving through this this stage of the thing. You know, I've, I think I've talked right. about this before, but it feels like. It feels like the video game cutscene, except in, in in reverse. It's as if like the cutscenes are the part where there's like human beings interacting and like someone is actually controlling this and you know making things happen. And then like then it goes on autopilot when it's time for the the fight, which is how these movies are made. And you know we know this, and that's why they can sort of it's why they can fire directors and replace them very easily because it's really you're just really getting somebody to shoot the stuff where they aren't you know where people are standing around and talking and you know the actual action stuff you know doesn't direct itself but is in place you know when like it's in place already it's done you know it's figured out ahead of time and there's not really sort of a lot going on beyond that uh do we need to talk about the plot of age of ultron does anybody not know what the plot of age of ultron is let's just assume that there's somebody who just wants to know what if let's just assume there's somebody who wants to hear us try to figure it out us say sort of what happens um basically the plot is that tony stark with the help of of dr bruce banner have taken this artificial intelligence from one of the from one from loki scepter there's a gem which now puts us into gem recuperation territory which is one of my least favorite tropes in any franchise yeah we're in full full mcguffin mode now we're definitely we're going to spend the next i hope you it's, i i feel bad for you wesley because i have a feeling there's going to be more gem stuff. The I'm only a, gem a slate, I care I'm about finding. A, I'm kind of an expert on movies, and I'm going to say that maybe the gems are going to be important in the future. I'm going to say the only gem that's important to me is Gem and the Holograms. And when that movie comes out, I'm going to be all into it. In the meantime, if I'm going to have to watch a Marvel superheroes look for gems, I hope they, I hope they turn up a musical number is all I'm saying. Uh, so they take, they take this gem, they try to fashion some AI out of it. The AI, I don't know, he shuts Jarvis down, Tony's, uh, security, his own per- pre-existing security system becomes Ultron, more or less. Ultron decides that I'm going to just destroy humanity and the Avengers must stop him. Yeah. Ultron, uh, downloads the whole internet. I do like, 
You know, uh, that's I mean, a thing now too. We've talked about this the before. <laughs> I really like when somebody reads the when when the the evil machine reads the entire internet or when anybody reads the entire internet. I love that in in movies when anybody sort of looks up. I've read the entire internet. You know, I'm moving my head back and forth as if I'm reading the entire internet, and then uh, you know now they know. And so it, you immediately the thing that happens when you read the entire internet is you become a sarcastic James Spader. You just you burst forth fully formed and kind of kind of with a with a dim view of, of humanity so ultron figures out that his peacekeeping mission that he's been programmed for the the way to take take that to its logical extreme is that if there's no people on earth i guess there will be peace if we kill all the people he'll also be off he gets to put his feet up yeah, exactly. And then, then you know, he has more time. I don't know. But once you've read the whole internet, what are you going to do? That's what, you know. Actually, your way of putting that makes it sound a lot more like a Tom and Jerry cartoon in a way that appeals to me. <laughs> like, remember that time that Tom thought, like, I don't really want to protect humanity. It'd be just more, so much easier to just get rid of people. That way I can chase Jerry around. I don't know. It just like your that simplistic rendering just sounds so much more appealing than the movie we actually. It's my get. gritty reboot of Tom and Jerry that I can't get anyone interested in. <laughs> I've been shopping it imagine. and shopping it. Just can't need that. I just need one. I just need one meeting. Just get me in there. Garfield's on board to play Tom. <laughs> Stunt casting. I don't know. Stuart Little might be interested in playing Jerry. It's unclear. They're working really hard to make that work. Um, okay, so I have some questions. Okay. What to your mind? I know you just mentioned this director thing, uh, like the, the like the the idea that the directors of these movies are interchangeable, and and that the sort of people who make them are also the sort of people who would be inclined in in on the other side of the screen to have issues with slash be extremely ecstatic upon opening day. What does a Joss Whedon bring to a movie like this? And if you are Joss Whedon, what, why do you do it? I mean, having now read, I don't normally read these things, but they've been presented to me. And I thought if we're going to have this conversation, I should, I should know about the assortment of controversies that have come with this movie's release. And with them, I read something about how he is sort of, he was, you know, refreshingly honest about some of the frustrations that he's had with how the movie's been treated in his relationship with the producers or this or the studio and he basically he sounded a little he sounded like disgruntled with you know his relationship to this process um i mean does and he, in watching this what you don't think so well i, I, I mean you think he's performing no 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 no, no. i just reading no i just think it's one of those things where it's like his kind of mild criticism of the way these things work because he doesn't care he's done he's done this is his last marvel movie supposedly right he said this and so he can say but he can sort of express the kind of mild criticisms that you might express about an experience that you just never hear anybody say about making these movies because they all seem so terrified that they won't get to make another one and like he's the only one of the few people who's like i've, I've done enough of these now i'm not going to do another one so i'm just gonna i'm gonna talk about it and so he talked about right he talked about the what happened with the weird cave thing Mm-hmm. How that was actually the the apparently when he wrote that it made sense and shot it it made sense and then there was a disagreement about which of the two 
weird digressions they were going to keep. Do we keep the farmhouse or do we keep the the cave? Yeah, sequences? there's a great quote in that. It's like the Hit Fix interview or whatever, and he's, there's, they, they basically put a gun to his head and they were like, "Farmer, the cave. Just uh, you, you decide." Oh, dude, those which are one's like going to happen? Kill both those babies. Exactly. There's no FM. I don't know. There's no FMK. There's no M. No. <laughs> I don't know. Listen, the point at which I got the I mean, and the reason I ask about the 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 I want and I want to answer that. But go ahead. Right. Well, why don't you answer it? Because maybe your answer will prevent me from having to ask my follow up question. I mean, the, the answer to why you do it is, I mean, look, I don't know how you could resist it if you had grown up with these characters and you got to. You you got to play with all of them, and you got to actually because he didn't write the first one, right? He he rewrote right. it. He came on, and it was sort it sort of existed, and those relationships were established and everything. And so this is the one where he got more hand, and you can you can kind of tell. Um, you know, I don't think. I mean, I think obviously, like the thing, the the, the thing for him, uh, you know, he should have been doing the X Men, and he kind of made this sort of more like the X Men. He made them weirder and more like misfits and everything, and gave them these right. relationships and everything. I just think that's got to be irresistible if that if this is your your foundational text that you you right. can't say no to it and the opportunity to do it. And you know, there's interesting things going on in this, like that you. you if you're Joss Whedon and you're you have some kind of social justice concerns that you have historically tried to put into your work, you know I think he succeeded in getting some of that in there, which is why it's un, it's sort of funny to me that he's he's now, you know he kind of got. I don't think he really got drummed off of Twitter by Twitter. You know, I don't think I don't think he really got hounded to the point of giving up. I think he was just like, you know what? Goodbye. Like, I don't need this in my but, life. I have, okay, I have so, billions of dollars. So, yeah, we should talk. We should explain, like, what happened. But what that happened ta- right. But that then that takes the 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 question I'm asking about <laughs> these sort of loosely uh, tourist question I'm asking about, like yeah. authorship over a movie. And then conversely gives this sort of deconstructionist argument about what happens when the movie reaches the public and people begin to take the 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 proceedings very seriously. And I mean as as a person inclined to do that for a living, I found some of the readings of this movie to be questionable at the very least and I think I mean not that I'm siding with him in his decision to leave Twitter, but I wonder if the the sort of heated, outraged conversation around, for instance, the treatment of the Black Widow character in this movie and in the series in general um, is one of the things that spurred him to do that. And and, and at what point a conversation like that um, in which, you know, this is the movie that gives the, the, the in which Joss Whedon gives her a backstory and that the backstory basically amounts to her being sterile and incapable of having children and that yeah. is her great regret as a woman is that she is incomplete and all and, that and all the murdering that she's yes. done i think there is it's important to, to point out that it's not just oh i wish i could have had kids it's because it's, right. she killed a ton of people she she has a feels lot of bad regret. about it and there right. is so, you know it, it like here's the thing about that again wait wait can i okay. just say i was just exp- setting up the misreading of the argument oh okay the, i'm sorry not the reality of of what goes on in the movie but go on well, look, it, it does. It seems like there's. I'm gonna say there's too much going on in this movie 
there is a new superhero every 20 minutes or so. They're just they're literally making more superheroes. It's during like, it's the like movie. That, that Royal Rumble where like up oh, three minutes are up. Here comes the big show. Oh my god! I don't have a wrestling reference, but it is that thing where it's like. Someone, you know, insert your name, has just come right out of the ring right. with this swing of a chair. The horn goes off. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Somebody's manager, like managers are getting in the ring. It's you know. Dolph Ziggler. We couldn't have imagined that in a match of, a wrestling match of 30 guys, that this guy would be number 17 into the ring. Wesley, I've been watching superhero <laughs> movies for a lot of years. And I'll tell you, I didn't expect it. The last thing I thought the, I'd see was Vision. I, I cannot believe it. Paul Bettany just coming out of the... Re- okay. Um, Sorry, we're done. Yeah, no, I can't sustain that because I haven't watched enough wrestling to know the, to do to do the voice. But no, when they're literally minting more superheroes <laughs> during the movie, we're going to... Yeah. So, it, which I, which, you know, I understand. You're, you got to... That's what, that's what I say when, when I say it feels like, you know, it's more about setup than it is about resolution. That's partly why. So, what gets missed is... I think what gets lost and the reason why if you're Joss Whedon, you end up kind of being cranky about this experience a little bit or at least having some mixed feelings about, you know, your role in it is that the stuff that's going to go, the stuff that's going to stay that has to stay is the new superheroes because they will fuel, you know, each of these things will sort of, you know, will they'll all get their own movies except for, you know, the the women and the people of color. But uh, you know the you, the vision. There's you know you need that. You need to set up all these things. And so what gets cut is it, like those those dream sequences apparently were much longer and had much more going on in them. And I bet that Black Widow thing was more nuanced than the way that it's portrayed because it was that is such a Joss Whedon trope. You know it's so it's so Dollhouse the way that it's presented. It's so Whedon esque. And I think if you just right. if it's just like if you just drop it in there as it feels like a flashback to something that we didn't actually see. It feels like the way that you yes. would use two or three shots from a previous episode of the TV show to remember. Remember when she got sterilized and then there was that whole thing. Also, like you don't cast Julie Delpy to be in it for two seconds for two seconds. Well, this is the thing. I mean, don't you sort of feel like the the compl- the real compl- I mean, I'm not saying that the people who've been complaining about this have been miscomplaining, but to me, the reason that these complaints are allowed to have any value is the fact that when Captain America has his, you know, Scarlet Witch induced flashback or hallucination, it's to something from a mu- a movie that previously existed. From two movies that previously yeah. existed. And when Thor has his, it's from two movies that previously existed for him. So we, I mean, even though those scenes don't really make a lot of sense, you at least understand the world in which they're, they're, they're happening mm-hmm. and there's some, some context. And when she has hers, it's like you are watching like a montage of something like pulled out of thin air and are meant to like parse what that means. And I don't know that you necessarily. I don't know that it's necessarily not. It's not that it's not fair to, but it, it just seems like a. Uh, I'm, you, all my terminology is wrong today, but it kind of seems like a fool's errand to do it. Yeah, to put and it, it in there. It speaks more to the more to the sexism of 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 her not having a standalone series to justify a choice like that, and the movies having to be a certain length and truncated and so busy, so that. When when she does have this hallucination, flashback, traumatic memory, uh, 
it's it's something that you remember as being kind of problematic for the problems it introduces without the the context for them because aren't they also sort of made from whole cloth on Joss Whedon's part? That a story, bit? what those backstories? I mean, or some some aspects of it, like like maybe the maybe the the conclusion drawn from the backstory, I guess. Yeah, I don't actually know. I don't know how much of that he made up or didn't. Or if it's or if it's um, from the comics, but I but yeah no your point is you know your point is valid that yeah why why do it at all because you you could have at least had I don't know but there's a yeah there's a, the whole you know the whole Hulk Black Widow connection I feel like that's actually a Wasp story I think that was something oh, that was boy. the it was because I think we didn't like Here I remember him, no I remember him saying no, at one I point mean, that he really this room doesn't even have room for this movie doesn't even have room for a <laughs> tiny little character like Wasp. I mean, look. If you go back to those Avengers stories, it's it's a good thing that, they, that I, I feel like in in terms of you know uh, modernizing the sexual politics or the not sexual politics but the, like gender politics and the, the the how women act in your story thing. If you go back to those Avengers stories. Uh, switching out uh, Wasp for Black Widow is an upgrade. Uh, yeah, it J- least- <laughs> uh, James Rocky uh, wrote a really good essay about what's wrong with these movies that kind of gets at some of the ideas things to keep in mind while watching them um uh, particularly when when the comic books themselves were written in the period during which they were written yeah who wrote them they're very they're still yeah they do show up very much freighted with kind of unexamined ideology from yeah. the the eras that that they I'll come put from a link to, as to much as the show page. you know and i think yeah i think that's a, that, that that essay is really interesting because it's just you know, I, I'm 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 quoted in there as not going far enough with my crankiness about these movies, which is always it's always nice to not. Yeah, have. nice to hear that somebody doesn't think you're a huge Marvel somebody, or comic book curmudgeon, which I totally am, but are huge enough of a curmudgeon. Yeah, huge enough is probably the better way. To I mean, it. look, here's the, pro- here, the, the 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 problem. The, the best thing not by James Rocky that I I read about this aspect of the controversy the specific aspect was somebody named dink magic on twitter <laughs> speaking of twitter um and i don't know his real name but wrote, he doesn't need one if his name is dink, dink magic. magic i know wrote some wrote like a series of tweets that i thought were really funny sort of talking about the complaints about black widow and the complaints about the the treatment of her and about the lack of black widow merchandise and the lack of the solo standalone black widow film and everything basically boiling it down to like, why do you expect this? Why do you expect Marvel to fix this problem instead of saying like, I don't like what Marvel is doing. I'm not going to pay attention to these movies. It's like, I demand that this problem be fixed by Marvel. It's very much like we're getting, we're at the point now where we almost have like a two, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's the same as voting. It's the same as the two party system. I'm just going to go straight to that. It's the same as politics. Why not? That's where, I mean, this is, I mean, this is the thing that baffles me so much. It's the, but you know, it's the opposite of the way democracy works in this country. Where like, if you are, if you are apathetic and you, and you want things to change, you stay out of the system. Whereas in, <laughs> apparently in superhero movies, you, you over invest in the system to the degree to which, I mean, to the extent, to the point at which the, the people who make these movies sort of misinterpret your, your over investment as enthusiasm, endorsement and support. Well, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, that's, that's, I guess that's true. 
I guess that's true that it's – I mean and that's what we're talking about with, with Whedon too. I think Whedon is sort of – you know, like Whedon's the guy who goes in. He's like, I'm going to get inside the system. I can do more good from inside the system than I can from it's outside never it. true. And it's, it's never rare, true. rarely is it ever true and it's it, – I don't think it is in this case. And so I think, you know, he's he's going off – hopefully – I hope he's serious about to do about, about nothing too. <laughs> it's, it's happening. <laughs> Back to my house. <laughs> <laughs> for another one of those um, but anyway. yeah that's it, yes that but i think that's what's interesting about it is it's this thing where it's like you know like i there's no there's no scenario where you don't give them your money for these things so therefore you you know i mean people and so I, it's almost like they're a public utility now or something because it's yeah. the only oh, thing these God. movies are where well it's you know put. I, well I demand that you know it's you were like you can't be like well we're not going to have a we're not going to not have a fire department so we might as well, you know, tell them what we don't like about what they're doing. That's not an exact. That's not a good analogy. There's a better analogy that no, I'm reaching that, for. That's but. a. I mean, it's effective. I know what you mean, and that's sort of what drives me crazy about this. Is like that. That is not how I want my movies to go. And I, okay. I feel like here's what it is. It's like it's one of those things where it's like it's irresponsible that McDonald's does not have more healthy food options on its menu. You know that you can't. It's like don't eat at McDonald's. Like if that's or is like you know, go go somewhere else. It's that a- actually is the perfect analogy because <laughs> what is McDonald's doing right now? Scrambling to try to figure out a way to compete with Chipotle. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, fewer people are going, and they're having to come up with healthier food or like allegedly healthier food to compete with places that people actually want to go to to eat other stuff. And I'm not saying and, anything like I'm not saying I like uh, I can get down with some, you know, some some fast food burgers. That's not the point. The point is, is don't say d- just d- don't act like you, you know, it's, it's McDonald's responsibility to, you know, sort of to make it healthier for me to make my McDonald's experience healthier. Like you're going to McDonald's go somewhere else. Right. Right. If you don't go to McDonald's, maybe McDonald's will give you something you like in like whatever you want McDonald's to do. By staying away from McDonald's, McDonald's might come back to you with a thing that you might want to do and is indeed actually trying to do that. I doubt this is – I mean I don't know that that model will work for movies and I don't know if movies in a weird way can afford the way American Hollywood American movies are set up right now. I don't know if they can really afford to let that happen. I mean – I mean, this is the point at which we call one of our business person friends and ask them to walk us through the logistics of of of, of such a proposition. But well, before- you, yeah, I mean, but you don't though, because you know that there's for the for whoever for whoever is pissed off about the Black Widow, whoever's harassing Joss Whedon about it on Twitter. That's a tiny portion. Twitter is a tiny portion of the world. The portion of Twitter that is mad at Joss Whedon is a tiny portion of Twitter. There's a vast, vast, vast audience for these things that doesn't care at all about any of these yes. issues. Yeah. And it's yeah. just We're, it's just sort of, you know, it's I mean, the best thing, the best Avengers review is the, when did you see this when Esquire got a nine year old to review the movie. And the funny the, yeah. the first joke is that the nine year old's like, ah, that's not that great. But the the real joke is the first comment is this like dense sort of long paragraph from an adult man being like, "That's right, nine year olds. This isn't for you. This isn't what it's that's about. It's for us. It's for people like me who buy the toys that are expensive and all of that." 
and it's and and that, but and that's that is kind of what it is like they're not really you know I did have a, I had a feeling as I was watching this to some at the beginning I was like oh like Joss actually did something kind of smart which is that this feels like a kids movie this feels like the kids movie that it's supposed to be you know because they're just laughing and joking and being silly and kind of you know yeah, it, it did for about. It does at the beginning, minutes. yeah, and yeah. then it actually it, it what it, like you realize then that you're being set up for it to actually go dark and for it to kind of get to that place, but it doesn't ever really get to the full dark. That's the other thing; it doesn't go all the way. Like they're set, what they're setting up is a version of this is a you know they they it's they're setting up a version of the comic book story Civil War, which is about uh, basically the government decides that all the superheroes need to register. And become government agents or cease their superheroing immediately. And Tony Stark is on the side of uh, registration, and Captain America is on the the side of, uh, of no, thank you, sir. I shall not uh, sign that document. And so they, uh, everybody fights. Everybody sort of lines up on two sides, and they all fight. And it's a you know kind of dumb story actually in execution. It's basically a it's it's you know it was a Scottish writer Mark Millar being uh, you know a, a pox on both your houses about uh, you know uh, the sort of our two party system. It's a very silly story, but they are somewhat setting that up in this movie. But then it's like, yeah, we're gonna do that, so we need to lay that f- pipe, plant that flag for the possibility of Iron Man and Captain America not seeing eye to eye on something, and oh, even at boy. one point, sort of you know getting in a little shoving match with the repulsors and stuff. But then they have to completely walk it back because before that movie, before Captain America can happen, there's got to be like nine more movies in which that this doesn't happen, in which it's all good. So there's nothing really that, you know, this should have what this should have and could have been, I feel like is this could have been Empire Strikes Back, right? Like it could have actually been sort of you know like i and i almost expected that to happen it could have been the worst day in avengers history it could have ended with you know because there's you know because captain america sort of there's a moment in this movie where it's you know where tony stark decides that the only solution to solving the rogue evil ai is to create another ai and there's a whole you know then captain america is like excuse me and like that should be the moment when it sort of when it splits off and it sort of goes to like what goes to a dark place and can't hold together but they, they can't even they don't have the freedom to do that because too much there is riding too on too much there are too many things at stake yeah it's weird um, because we've just gotten to the point yeah you know they have to sort of put all the toys back in the toy box at the end so we've basically come as far with superhero movies we've gotten to it's like the 80s now in comics like we're, and i i don't mean the watchmen 80s i mean like the sort of the jim shooter 80s the sort of you know the early 80s right when it's just it's you know it's the toy line and everything has to you know everything sort of works toward that well we kind of have to go yeah. what's our jam uh oh yes our jam that's my jam uh, i was basically listening to this in the car this is just it's on it's on was on shuffle <laughs> now this is betty harris doing this i never a, know what your jams are going to be by there's the way, a break in every road classic sort of uh she's she was from florida but this is obviously if you can hear it this is an alan toussaint production and that's the meters as her backing band greatest drummer who ever lived he still lives zigaboo modalist 
She's the best. Still kicking. She's like She's 76, yeah. 75. Anyway, that's our show this week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Joe Fuentes, thanks for being patient. We're sorry that we hold up your life. Uh, David Jacoby, thank you. Uh, Alex, thank you. You're the best. Um, we're going to talk about Mad Men next week. Don't forget to like us or dislike us or comment on us somewhere somewhere on the internet. I t- uh, go on iTunes. I think we've been saying Facebook, and that might iTunes. be that, that's been a, that's a little bit of a whatever they put on that teleprompter. Burgundy will read. I think it's iTunes is where we want people to like us. I mean, go ahead and like us on Facebook too. Yeah. You know, okay. Go ahead and elo well, about t- it. We're talking over Betty Harris, which is a cardinal sin. Uh, we're gonna go. We'll talk to you next week. to Grantland. To hear more Grantland shows in your earballs, subscribe to Grantland Sports and Grantland Pop Culture on iTunes. Or go to grantland.com and click on podcast.